Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is up? Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Check that Matt Connor is in New York doing Verteram stuff, baby. So we have Patrick Allen here joining us on the podcast today. Patrick, how are you? What's up, man? I'm so fired up to be on the Tuesday show. What's happening? It's It's a big day. Cats living together. Mass hysteria, dude. It's a it's a big day on the uh, on the AA podcast. Do you think that Matt Connor is just walking around trying to act like Verderim in New York? Because I texted him, I said, "Have you seen him?" And he says, "Dude, everyone acts like Verderim up there." Just, hey, what are you doing? I'm walking here. Yeah, but you see, Verderim is not actually for like he's from New York State. Like he sounds <laughs> like he's from Brooklyn, but he's from like uh, Binghamton or something. It's like he's, you know, he, I mean, look, he's, 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 he's New York guy through and through, but let's not act like he's Robert De Niro and taxi. <laughs> Do you think Matt Connor gets Sabaro? That's the only thing I think is going to happen. I would, if there's any one of us four to be like, yeah, grab the New York slice, like Michael Scott, it's. Yeah. I want him out there with the, with the, with the camera crew. This is my favorite New York pizza spot. Michael Scott style. I love it. Uh, full transparency for everyone. We're going to talk Jared McKinnon. We're going to talk Orlando Brown Jr.'s uh, potential contract extension. We're going to talk about position of groups that we think are being not talked about enough. Maybe some guys that we think could be on the cut line coming into this season, as well as apparently Petty Patrick. Mahomes is out here liking some tweets. But you guys all know. Not a ton going on right now in the offseason, so we might have some fun. Might have a serial review coming later on, so stay tuned. If you want to talk Chiefs, we'll do it. If you want to get just light and bright, we'll have that as well. Uh, before we get into that, speaking of light and bright, I had the KC uh, Pilsner Light over the weekend. I was on a golf trip with the boys. Had the, How was it? Is it it good? was fantastic. I the, the Pilsner Light was outstanding. It was very refreshing. It's only like 3.5%, so if you're not trying to get a... Uh, a massive buzz when it's a heat index of 111 degrees like it was down there when you're playing 36 holes. The Pilsner Light was the perfect choice. It was delicious. Again, they brew their beer with only four ingredients based it off the German purity laws of 1516. KC Beer Co., you love it. We love it. Every time you guys send us a review, tag us on Twitter, it means a lot. Try the Pilsner Light. Again, it is absolutely fantastic uh patrick let's get into jared mckinnon he was brought back i don't have the contract details in front of me everywhere i've looked i've not seen anything official right but you have to imagine it's a one-year deal not going to be something crazy what was your initial reaction when you see the jared mckinnon news returning to kansas city i loved it i love jet mckinnon i thought he played really hard last year we've talked about him on this podcast a lot he, uh, he he blocks well, and and it just whenever he got the opportunity to get to get the ball last year, I felt like he ran so damn hard. He put his head down. You know, a lot of guys running backs, and you know, they get on the sideline, they catch a screen pass or something, 
They got three guys coming at him. They step out of bounds. I felt like McKinnon was still, he was putting his head down and, and getting those extra yards, trying to prove something, running with a chip on his shoulder. So I was really glad they brought him back, especially because he's probably the best blocker of the group. What I'm confused about is why they took so long to bring him back. Mm. It, like, you know, was there an injury issue? I hadn't heard anything, but like, was he, was he like banged up? And they were like, hey, listen, like, keep us informed. Like, when you, you know, we'll come in for a physical and we'll, we want to bring you back, but they, we're not going to do it until you're healthy. I don't know what it was. I know he's dealt with injury issues in the past, but it seems strange that, like, the timing of it, like, why did they bring him back now? Did they want to get somebody else? Did they want to evaluate their group and, like, the mini camps? I don't understand the timing of it, but I'm glad he's back. Yeah, the timing is a little interesting, but also, I guess, I don't care because I think he adds a lot to this group. I'm not a, a lot as in I think he's getting the lion's share of the snaps. He adds a lot in the fact that if you have Clyde as your one, say Clyde is your 1A, he call him your Mario. He does everything well but doesn't excel at any specific thing, correct? Then yeah. what happens if he goes down? He's been injured some in his NFL career. He's a running back. Running backs get hurt. They take an absolute beating out there. Well, then you have Ronald Jones. He's your first and second down back but he's not a pass catcher he's a horrendous pass blocker don't spill your beer that's the golden stuff over there okay i almost got my microphone over okay i thought it was the beer the, safe i keep the beer over here as long as the beer is safe that's all that matters and you want to keep patrick safe and by doing that that's not having ronald jones out there on third down that's having yes. jared mckinnon out there on third down so yeah. with those three guys you have a very versatile group and a group that I think you you really trust. Well, yes, you don't have an Alvin Kamara. You don't have a healthy Saquon or, or, or healthy Christian McCaffrey. You have a group of guys who excel in certain situations. And I think that that matters. They keep they can keep each other fresh. And then you also have uh, Isaiah Pachenko. Uh, a lot of guys think that he is going to be a potential return man on this roster. You have Derek Gore, who has shown flashes in limited action last year. So the Chiefs running back group as a whole, I think, is is fine. There's a good stable of players out there that can get it done, which leads me to my next question. I think Michael Burton's making the roster. I would be hard-pressed to see this many guys making the team. Who is the odd man out if you had to currently put a uh, – Put a name out there. I'll tell you what. I, I, Pacheco, I don't think he's a slam dunk to make the roster. The guy's a seventh-round pick. Um, mm-hmm. If they like the veterans better, he's going to the practice squad. So I think – in fact, I think it's likely he'll go to the, the practice squad. I think with all the receivers they brought in, they'll find somebody else to to, to return. And, you know, and, and if he's not great on special teams, there's just not going to be room for him. But then I wonder, like, is it – if it's me, I want to keep Derek Orr. I'm not particularly interested in Ronald Jones. I know a lot of people really like him, but yeah, the guy's been in the league for a while. We know what he is. Maybe it's the unknown with Derek Gore, but the dude flashed last year a couple of different times. He flashed in preseason. He actually did the damn thing when he was given the opportunity in the regular season. So I, they're not going to get rid of, of Clyde. He's going to be there. So you know, I, I, I could see a, a scenario where if they really like Derek Orr and they think he looks good in camp and they like McKinnon for his blocking ability, that Ronald Jones doesn't make the team. And if you look at his contract, it's not like anything that is, you know, signaling to you that he's a, a slam dunk. I think he was the the veteran running back. They wanted to bring in some some veteran backup talent. But that doesn't mean he's going to make the team. Yeah, I'm with you in the fact that I don't think Ronald Jones is a slam dunk. But I do think he adds something that the other backs potentially don't add. He's more of a power back, right? 
I, I just, if it were me, it just feels like with Clyde, Ronald Jones, and McKinnon, you don't even need to have that fourth guy. You can roll with those three and Pachenko's pr- practice squad, and maybe Gore's the odd man out. I feel bad because Gore did flash at times. Yeah. I just don't know if it was enough. I, I, I just don't. I don't know how well he excels in pass catching. We didn't really see much. I don't know how well he excels at pass blocking. We didn't get to see that a whole bunch because he was mostly in there in garbage time. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but I will say the versatility of this group has been enjoyable. And that's what's so fun is this entire team. This offseason about athleticism, versatility, same thing with receivers, right? Sure, Tyreek Hill's gone, but when you look at the rest of the wide receivers, there's so much versatility. It's not that everyone does everything well. It's they all excel in certain things. And that's what can be so dangerous for, for matchup problems for other imposing teams. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and look, with the running backs, and somebody mentioned in the chat, like Gore also flashed in missing holes. I think the the, the flaw in, in, in that argument and the flaw in my argument that he flashed positively sometimes is that you just you haven't seen enough of him to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm at the point where like, I trust, I trust Andy Reed and Brett Veach and the coaching staff, Eric Bieniemy, to evaluate this running back group and pick the, pick the best guys, right? They get to see them in practice every day. They know what their capabilities. That doesn't mean they're always going to be right about everything, but if they, if they end up cutting Derek or even though maybe he's a little bit of a fan favorite or they cut Ronald Jones, there's probably a good reason for it. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, then again, they brought in Le'Veon Bell and, he didn't do anything. So, you know, you just you, you just never know. It's it's a tricky position. The fact of the matter is it's going to be a passing team with Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback. So before I get to that question, I was about to ask you, do you think the Chiefs run the ball anymore with the additional, I would like to say, physicality they're trying to bring? The way they drafted, the way they have trended with the offensive line, it seems like they might run the ball more. But then at the same time, you look at the Bengals game in the playoffs and you're scratching your head, screaming at the TV saying, why the bleep aren't you running? You're being so effective on the ground. But before I ask you that, do you have a tattoo on your arm? Is that new? I do have a tattoo. It's not new. How did I notice that? I've always had it. I don't know. We podcast a lot during the the cold season. It's warm now, Mm. so... There it is. I like it. I like it. I had no idea you had a tattoo. Look yeah, you three did. hours in the chair. It was no, uh dude, I'm sorry. I was about like, ready. I was done. Like I was <laughs> like when it was when we were near the end, I was ready to get out of there. Um, um do you have any tattoos? Dude, zero. No? I, I I thought about for the past, I don't know, ten years getting a red hot chili peppers tattoo, the the asterisk, but dude, I'm so soft, man. I'm Charmin Ultra. I'd be <laughs> in that chair crying. Don't let the mustache fool you. This yeah. is not a man who likes pain. So you're not going to get like the Mike Tyson like face. No, the neck tat. I, I could do the, the whole Yachty and Molina, the neck tat going on, you know, yeah, just yeah, really yeah. get into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, man, look, I, I think, um, I think the, the Verderam on our show does not believe that Andy will run the ball more. He just doesn't buy it. But I feel like sometimes we talk out of both sides of our mouths when we talk about Andy Reid. Like everyone's like, Andy, he's this offensive innovator. He's done it for for decades in the NFL. And but 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 when it comes to can he can he take advantage of the defense he's getting and run the ball more? No, he's not gonna be able to do that. Well, you can't have it both ways. Andy Reid is an offensive innovator, and I think he's gonna do what he needs to do or what he thinks is the best move for them to win football games this year. And if that means running the ball a little bit more. Look, man, this offense is going to be different next year. 
I think for all the and teams are going to play it differently as well. It's going to take the defenses some time to figure it out. It's going to take the Chiefs some time to figure it out. But if we think that we're going to come out and we're just only going to see the two deep shell all the time because Tyreek Hill's gone, and I think some of these defensive coordinators, you know, they think they think highly of themselves. They think highly of their systems. Some of them are going to come out and they're going to be they're going to creep down a little bit. See if we can get a little pressure on Mahomes. He doesn't have Tyree Kill anymore. They're going to test the waters. And I think Andy Reid's going to have an answer for it. And I think it's going to be, in some ways, a brand new offense. And I'm really excited to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I don't think they necessarily get rid of the RPOs. I just think they actually run the ball in the RPOs. I think Mahomes might trust his O-line more after seeing how big and physical, especially on the interior. I mean, if Kennard is at right tackle... If whatever happens with Orlando Brown Jr. gets done, that is just a massive mauling group up front. It's huge. If you don't run the ball, especially in certain situations, you're just, I think you're overthinking it. Sometimes the easiest situation can still be the best situation. Yeah. Orlando Brown Jr., what do you make of this? Because I don't disagree with what he said. When he came out and said, this is not a good year for the Chiefs to not pay a, le- a left tackle, especially with how much the edge positions have grown in, in the AFC West. You know, the Raiders, obviously the Chargers, obviously. So what do you make of the comments? I don't disagree with the comments, but the way he went about it to me seemed a little bit like he thinks he's Trent Williams and not a, I don't know, eight to 12 best left tackle in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and hey, if you guys watching could do us a favor and hit the thumbs up button, we'd really appreciate that on YouTube. Listen, Sterling, I got to ask you, man, like, why do these guys talk? Like, if you're a, a, a person, and by the way, I always kind of want to call him OBJ. I know that's confusing. Same. So I, I, I have to I stop just, myself every yeah, single yeah. time. <laughs> but like, why? I feel like the first thing your agent, I know you just got an agent, but the first thing your agent should tell you when you go to the NFL is don't talk especially when it's like, uh, as you like to are fond of saying, unforced error, no unforced errors. Like you're doing this contract negotiation. Of course, you're trying to get as much money as you want, as you can. I don't blame you, but like you're doing, there's no way to, there's no win for you. If you're Orlando Brown Jr. In this situation to come out and say, Oh, it's not a good year for, I mean, what is he the mob? He sounds a little <laughs> bit like, Oh yeah, maybe, uh, Maybe you don't sign me to the richest contract in history. Uh, maybe something happens. Back to Mahomes. You know, like, you, you can't win. Just keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. Let your agent negotiate. You negotiate. Get as much money as you can. Um, it's a lose-lose scenario when you when they talk like this. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as should they pay him, look, they, they, he's got leverage. Like, he knows he has leverage. He doesn't need to come out and say it. I think it'll work itself out. Brett Veach isn't mm-hmm. going to go crazy and, like, make him the highest-paid left tackle in the NFL. At least I don't think so. And I think Orlando Brown Jr. and his camp will be reasonable. And they'll come, like, it'll get worked out. He'll get paid. Will he get overpaid a little bit? He's probably going to get overpaid a little bit for what he's done so far. But hopefully, at his age, he's got a little bit more to go. He's got a higher ceiling. And 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 he continues to improve. And then maybe we're sitting here in a year or two, and we're looking back at his contract, and we're like, yeah, it's a bargain. Because now he's, like, the second or third best left tackle in the NFL, and he's not getting paid like it. Where I'm at is... He's acting like he's already done all of these things. Sure, the Pro Bowls are nice, but I think Pro Bowls is it's it's a name contest. All pros are what matter. Look at Mitchell Swartz, right? Like, I, I I apologize. It's a great thing to have for players. I'm not knocking guys who go to the Pro Bowl. That's fantastic. You're obviously means you're a good player, but I think he's a good tackle. He's not great. 
He's not elite. I have questions about what his ceiling is. We know the floor. The floor is really solid, right? I think his ability to see multiple things, uh, his ability to become more of a technician, right? As you get older, as you age, you might lose a step, but you've seen things before. You know what to expect. I think being in the same system for multiple years, that obviously helps. But when you don't have the quickest feet, obviously uh, he's playing tennis. He's trying to get a little quicker, but at that size, it's difficult. Unless he loses a little bit of weight, and maybe that's just not his game. I'm not saying he needs to. I don't see the feet or the speed all of a sudden making him some elite left tackle. Uh, let me get you some numbers here of what the contracts look like for the elite left tackles. Trent Williams uh, Trent Williams is the highest paid left tackle. I'm going AAV here. Uh, this is per over the cap. Trent Williams is averaging $23 million and 10000 per season, okay? Uh, David Bakatari, $23 mil per season. Laramie Tunsil, $22 million per season. Uh, we can all agree he's nowhere near those three, correct? Agreed. Okay. Uh, we get down to four. Ronnie Stanley, uh, he's 19.75 mil. Jake Matthews, 18.5. Uh, Cam Robinson, 17.583. So just going through the numbers right there, he's going to get more than those guys. I don't think he deserves top three. And if he starts to ask for 23, that's where I think if you're Brett Veach, you have to pull out the sunk cost method. And that's what I'm telling you is if he's demanding that he deserves all of this money, right? You have to say, you know what? I get it. We gave up that first round draft pick, but this is a separate deal now. You can't just think that because you gave that up, now you have to double down on that decision. That's what gets you in trouble. Yeah. I mean, look, I think if you're Brett Veach, you make the best offer that you can uh, or that you want to, and you've got him on the franchise tag. And you can, you know, you can you can negotiate again next offseason if he, if he wants to call He's you. He's not signed, though, I don't believe, right? I don't think Trillings has signed. He hasn't signed it. Well, not, not to my knowledge. I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but it's been all quiet on that front. There's a, I, th- I think it should be coming up. This is where it's good to have Vertoram around because he's an encyclopedia. But the, there's, a, there's a, an event horizon where they have to sign or they, you know, they, can't, they can't play under it. So there, there's a decision day coming up. But look, man, they can't renegotiate once they sign. I, so there's no reason for him to do it until the last minute and it gives him a chance for leverage. But I think if you can get him to play under the tag, he, he probably doesn't want to sit out for a year. Does he want to gamble on himself and sign the tag if he doesn't get the money that he wants? We've seen guys do that. It worked out for Kirk Cousins, right? And sometimes it doesn't work out. But I'm okay with him playing under the tag. Look, you know, that's an opportunity for him to go out there and play really well and protect Pat and up his game. And then We'll like he'll gladly get paid the the top dollar that he wants mm-hmm. if he's able to do that. And if he doesn't, where he backslides a little bit or he gets injured, well, that's a risk that he takes. But that the Chiefs aren't on the hook for some huge contract. So if he if he wants to end up signing that and you know betting on himself, I'd be fine with that. But I want to ask you: Do you think Orlando Brown Jr. is better than Eric Fisher? I think he's the same, but the complete opposite. Eric Fisher was the athletic; he can get out in space more of a quote, quote, technician, right? And then Orlando Brown Jr. is, if you look at PFF, the numbers are very similar too. It's not just the eye test. It's not just the feeling. It's it's a lot of equations that come into, the, into play here, but they're just different styles. Two, two, what's, two ways to skin a cat, multiple ways to skin a cat. It's, a, it's the same situation here. I, I just, I don't see him wanting to sign the franchise tag because even that one year that's guaranteed, He's wanting more money than that. So it makes no sense for him. I don't blame him for being, I think it was what, 16.5 mil, something like that. For him, there's no reason to. He wants to be in that 19, 20, 21, $22 million range for multi-years. 
I understand why he's being a little difficult. I would be too if you think you're worth more than that. If you're going to sign a four or five, hopefully year contract worth more AAV than that one single year where there is a lot of risk involved. Again, I'm not hating on Orlando Brown Jr. I don't want this to come off as, as me being a hater. Right. If it was five year, 90, five year, even a hundred, I think I could, I could, you know, handle that. But when you start getting more than that, I, I start having a lot of questions. Yeah, I'm look, I'm all for investing in the lines, man. Give me pass rushers, give me protection for Pat. I think the rest of that stuff you can figure out, especially when you have an elite quarterback. So I don't mind overpaying him a little bit. Um, but I trust Brett Veach and the cap experts at the Chiefs to to in general do the right thing there. Lord knows they don't need my analysis on the salary cap. But wouldn't you think it's a little bit I would say interesting, weird if they did not overpay Tyreek Hill? And then the next move you make is going out and overpaying Orlando Brown Jr. That, to me, would be a little interesting. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would say on that is that he's so much younger than Tyreek. Like, so, and, and, and Tyreek is so, that speed is his deal, right? He's not a size guy. He's not probably ever going to be a possession receiver. So the problem with Tyreek is, is as special as he is, once that athleticism drops, he just becomes a guy. Uh, and, 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 you know, he's not big. And so on that, I, I, I at least could understand it because you're getting a guy to protect Mahomes, protect on the blind side. Whereas the other guy, when does Tyreek Hill fall off? I mean, he's in incredible shape, but it happens fast. And when you're, when you're dealing with that separation of athleticism from like, these guys are all incredible. All these receivers are fast. They're incredible athletes. What's the difference between Tyreek Hill and the next guy? And in some cases, it's just a few tenths of a second. Let's move on, because I feel like we've beaten a dead horse over the past, I don't know, two weeks talking about Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah. I want to talk about Petty Pat. No, not you, Patrick. Patrick Mahomes liking tweets, all this stuff about Tyreek Hill, him moving on, Tyreek Hill talking a, a little smack. What do you make of Patrick Mahomes being petty? I mean, the dude, like, he sees what's going on. Like, he's on social media. He's not one of these quarterbacks who's not – I mean, he's not crazy active on social media, thank God. Like, he's not Tyron Matthew out there. But he sees what's going on. He's 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 a young guy. He's one of these kids. He's got the phone. You know, I like it. I mean, I'm glad. I, he's he's It's like the right level of I see you. I see what's going on. And, you know, he's not – the thing I love about Mahomes and why I think he's a good leader – for the team is he's not a complainer. Like some guys, they get out there, right. And the things don't go their way. Like he could have caught, he could have got up on that podium after that Super Bowl and been like, these, these fucking clowns, I'm hitting them in the face mask. Well, what do you want? What more do you want me to do? I ran like 150 yards or 500 yards running back and forth. Um, you know, it, no, he gets up there. He owns, he owns his part of it and he doesn't throw his teammates under the bus generally. He could have answered these Tyreek questions when he's been asked those. Mm. What did he say? He says, we love Tyreek here. You know, I was, I, yeah, I was a little surprised to see it. So he's saying like, you know, I know, but like, mm-hmm. I'm going to let my play do the talking. And that's what I want out of my franchise quarterback. Yeah, 100%. Anything that drives him, I'm okay with. He's not going out throwing anyone under the bus. He's not going out and ripping on Tyreek Hill. I think he also understands Tyreek Hill doesn't believe all this stuff. Hill is just trying to promote a podcast. Hill is just trying to do a business venture. Sure. I, I don't understand why. I don't get why all these athletes come out and do this. Tyreek Hill does not need the money. He lost the majority of the fan base who was going to listen to him. 
Chiefs fans are very passionate. Even if he left, I think a lot of people still would have listened to him if he would have, you know, said Chiefs kingdom was incredible, but now I'm here in Miami. Uh, but doing all this extracurricular stuff, now I'm starting to see why Tyreek Hill didn't get a lot of podium time. <laughs> it feels like he's got that. I mean, some guys want the spotlight, you know, and I'm, you know, it seems like the move to Miami that look, if you're a guy like Tyreek, I mean, look, we're talking about a guy who talks about himself in a third, third person, you know, like can you imagine we all rolled up in her and I was like, yeah, the Patrick, the Sterling, the Ver- like, <laughs> he calls himself by his own nickname. Like you want the cheetah out there. Like that's kind of a tool bag move. Like, and whatever, like, you know what? He's good enough to back it up. But, like, at the end of the day, I think he's probably one of these guys that he he is incredible, right? I mean, he's he was the third best player on the Chiefs. Like, and there's a fine line between, between him and Kelsey, but, like, Kelsey's bona fide Hall of Famer, maybe the best tight end to ever do it. Patrick Mahomes. Terry kills the third. So that was a lot of getting overshadowed. And feeling like probably he should get the ball all the time, even when he's triple covered. And so he's going to Miami and there's, there's definitely probably like, he's the best player on that team. It's not a question. He's the best player on that team by a mile. He's going to get all the attention. It's not his quarterback. And so he's feeling himself right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Now talk to me in, you know, mid mid to late October and see how, (laughs) how he's feeling about things. But right now, Hey man, I'm out of Kansas city. You know, I'm in South Beach. I don't have to deal with the winter but anymore. His yeah. outfit looks like you're taking the dog out in the winter. He's wearing a blazer, a jersey, basketball shorts, and Timberlands. <laughs> That's literally almost exactly what I take my dog out when it's cold. Yep. I, I yep. wear my Timberlands. I'm wearing my basketball shorts because I'm just slipping something on. I throw whatever jacket I can find on. It's yep. taking dog out when it's cold. I don't get. The, I don't get it, man. I don't understand it. Yeah. Let's move on because I don't want to keep talking about Tyreek Hill. I know I say it every week and then he does something that irritates me. And so then I talk about it and I just keep going against what I keep saying. Uh, what positional group do you think is not getting enough love? Ooh, that's a good, that's a good question. I would say, oh man, maybe the, maybe the cornerbacks. Like, I feel like nobody knows what – I would say it's it's between the cornerbacks and the linebackers. Mm. I think the cornerback group, like there's some new faces and people don't know what to make of them. I actually think they're going to be pretty good. I'm excited about the changes from this year. With Jerry Sneed, I know he had all those interceptions his first year and everybody was really excited. And then it, there wasn't as much of that last year, but that tends to happen when you start be- developing a reputation as a ball hawk. But I think they've generally been pretty solid and just haven't had the pass rush to kind of back them up. So uh, I would say something between those two. Yeah, I'm going linebackers 100%. I think that we've talked a little bit about it, but we've still not given them enough love. I think they're going to be an elite position group in the NFL. I'm not talking, you know, top half. I think this linebacking core could be top five. Okay. Nick Bolton was fantastic last year and he grew. We saw him in pass coverage late in the season, go one-on-one against Austin Eckler on a few plays, and he bested him. Eckler is one of the best, if not the best, pass-catching running back in the NFL. I'm not saying he can do it for a full game, but if he can do it in spurts, that is huge for Nick Bolton. Willie Gay Jr. We're going to start seeing him more on third downs, guys. Yeah, Ben Neiman, Anthony Hitchens, no. It's time for the young crew to step up. We're going to see a lot less blown coverages. Just the athleticism alone that Willie Gay Jr. brings, it's phenomenal. 
Okay. So those two guys are huge. They're developing, they're growing. Now the rookie, if you want athleticism, this dude has it. Leo Chanel, the dude yeah. that writes death arm on his or death row on his arm. He's a psycho. He's physical. He can play all over the field. You are going to love to see it. Just to me, this is such a, it's, it's new, even though two guys were there last year. But we're going to see Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., Leo Chanel. We're going to start seeing them on third downs. We're no longer, and at least I hope not, we're, gonna, we're not going to see Ben Neiman, right? Anthony Hitchens, he's gone. So, like, we're going to see such an improvement. I think it's going to be a shock, and the physicality, to me, is just going to jump off the page. Again, I just think this linebacking core has the potential to be top five. I've got a, I've got a bold prediction for you. I am such a big Willie Gay Jr. believer. I think Willie Gay Jr., is going to have four interceptions this year, maybe five. That dude is is he's got, he's got the instincts and he's got the athleticism to go up and get them. I think he's going to. I think with Chris Jones playing in the middle all season long, he might be the beneficiary of a nice little little tip drill. And he's mm-hmm. a, he stalks that ball, man. Like he gets down back there and jumps up. He's got the he's got the ups for it. So I'm going to go four or five interceptions for Willie Gay Jr., which mm. would be incredible. What do you think? Are you George Strait? Because write that down. Yeah. That would be incredible. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to get that many, but I do think his ball skills are very, very good for a linebacker. Uh, again, a lot of this comes down to as good as I think the linebackers are going to be, the Chiefs still have such a need at edge. We talked about cornerbacks. The cornerbacks, they can be really, really good, but eventually you can only hold for so long, right? Eventually you're going to have to get some pressure. That's the one concern I have from this defense taking a massive step forward. You have to have good pass rush. I always say it. The two most important things in today's NFL is the quarterback and getting pressure on the quarterback. Chris Jones is great, but he can't be, he can't do it by himself, right? He's not Aaron Donald. He can't beat triple teams consistently. I I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's a trade for Robert Quinn. I don't know if it's, you're hoping for Malik Herring and Joshua Kando to step up. I, I'm a little concerned, but that's my one big bugaboo. I have no idea what's going to happen to Edge, and that could spell a lot of struggles, especially early on for this defense. It, it all comes down to Carl Loftus, man. I mean, you invested yeah. a, a first-round pick in a pass rusher. I know he's not a high pick, I know, that, but the relentless motor. See, I think sometimes when we run it like – you watch Frank, right? And Frank would have some good plays, but you'd feel like sometimes maybe he wasn't going full bore the whole game. Carl Loftus is the opposite of that, everything we're hearing about him. If he exceeds expectations, I think the pass rush is going to be fine because I think he's going to alleviate. He's going to be one of these guys who maybe wears players down, you know, like maybe he doesn't get a lot early in the game, but he just keeps coming, just keeps coming, just keeps coming. Guys get tired. And if he's got that kind of mentality, I think when you pair him in a vacuum, do you want him to be your number one, like your only best pass rusher? No. But when you pair him with Chris Jones and when you pair him with Frank Clark, who still does have talent, I know he hasn't performed the way to his contract, but when you put the three of those together, I think you could, and then you rotate in some guys like like Kando, and I think you've got a chance for a pretty solid league average pass rush and and maybe with upside on the back end of Carl Loftus really blossoms in and becomes a, a really great pass rusher for you. He's got some things to work on, but I'm excited. Like I feel like it just gets overlooked, right? That they 
they drafted a first round guy to rush passer. We're like, we don't have enough pass rush. It's like uh, nobody believes in the kid. I disagree, man. I am maybe the at least one of the biggest George Karloftis supporters you'll find out here. I know all about some of the lack of upside, which I think seems crazy with his his age and how people were saying, well, Boya Mafe has all this upside at what three years older, four years older than him. Yeah. yeah, his bend isn't isn't great, but he's so strong and powerful. I, I truly think George Kalaf is, is going to be a day one starter. I think he has a chance to make some all pros down the road, maybe not be top, top elite, but be a very, very great pass rusher. I, I just don't want to get not Homer, but like I don't have much faith in Frank Clark. He's not shown me anything over There's the past no few seasons, yeah. but putting all your eggs in one rookie edge to me it's 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 a dangerous game uh dana's fine in in a vacuum michael dana is fine that's it though he's fine right now he's gonna be getting a lot of snaps uh joshua kando again when he was drafted he was not my choice i i said going into it he was probably my least comfortable draft pick i'm tired of all these developmental pass rushers again why i was so excited with george karloftis was a step in the opposite uh, direction a day one week one ready player again obviously the round one you should hopefully get that but still I also don't know what Malik Heron's going to bring. We always talk about, well, he could have been a day two guy, but he wasn't. Injuries happen. It's a concern. There's just so many unknowns. It's almost like the Royals. Every single year you talk yourself into, well, if this goes right and this goes right and this goes right, it could be a good group. Well, right. eventually, yeah. So, yeah, it's so many what ifs. I, I just think that the Chiefs need to have one more solid veteran guy. Maybe that was Melvin Ingram. I, I know I, I if that wrecks the Chiefs edge situation, you're in a bad situation if a, what, a 34-year-old Melvin Ingram destroys your your position group. I don't know what they do, but I still think something needs to happen there. Yeah, and you look, there's going to be, as teams get into camp and they start getting a look at their rosters, that's a that's an interesting time for some movement. That There's always surprise veterans get cut at the end of these things. People trying to save a little bit of money. They got a young guy, you know, a, a crappy team that's got a young guy. They want to get out there. They don't want to pay this veteran, so they cut. People become available. Trades can still be made. The Chiefs have a boatload of picks next year. So I don't think there's any reason to overreact right now. Get in there and uh, get a look at your guys in camp. See them with pads on. And then if you need to make a move, make a move to shore things up a little bit. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Jay Ward celebrating his sixth month as a Arrowhead Attic member. Uh, You can check that out. Yeah, in the Discord. Uh, Check it out in this YouTube video in the description if you want to join as well. Uh, He asked Robert Quinn when. I am with you. I would love Robert Quinn. I would love to see what that would cost. Uh, I would love to see what the contract would look like, but it feels like there is money available. And again, like I said, edge to me outside of quarterback is the most important thing. Uh, Who do you think would be a surprise roster cut or roster addition for the Chiefs? A surprise cut for the Chiefs. Oh man, that's a tough one. I feel like everyone's pretty well locked in, but... All right, I got two names popped into my head. I don't think either of them are going to happen, but I, there's no sense in being boring here. So let's let's be bold. A surprise, like a true surprise cut, one Thornhill. Mm. Like it just, you know, like I, for whatever reason they don't, you know, I, I don't think that's a guy you cut. That's a guy you trade, right? But like yeah. somebody that they would move on from, like they, they've obviously got some issue with him or they did. So if they're not happy, they brought in a couple, they drafted a guy, they, they brought in a free agent. I don't think they're, they're going to do it, but I could see that. And then the other one would be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. 
Uh, he's on the rookie deal. I don't think that they would cut him, but could they trade him? You know, I for Third, what sixth, fifth? Yeah, yeah, but like those are guys that I feel like they're not. They're just not thrilled with, right? They're they're obviously not thrilled with those guys. So as far as being like, there are other people who are more like somebody mentioned, like uh, Tone mentioned Blake Bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, but, but I guess that wouldn't be as big of a surprise for me because like Blake Bell is you don't expect him to get cut, but like also you don't you're not like oh no, what if we lose Blake Bell to injury? You know, like, yeah. God bless him. <laughs> um, no, I'm with you. Blake Bell would have been a good one, but that's one I I I think is more fifty fifty or more, not, maybe not fifty fifty, but twenty five percent chance of him getting cut. I would not be shocked. Uh, Clyde, I don't think is. I think this is his first really truly healthy season in the NFL. He's on that rookie contract. Uh, I just don't see Clyde getting cut. Juan Thornhill, I wouldn't necessarily see getting cut, but I could see his playing time drastically diminish. Yeah, uh, I, I said that this offseason. I said when they went out and got was it uh, got Bush, just in case Justin Reed obviously. And then now with Brian Cook, it, it almost feels like Juan Thornhill, he's got a lot to prove. You can say all you want about how this is going to be your best season. I'm in the best shape of my life, but everyone has always said at this time, they yeah. are in the best shape of their life. It's that time of year. It's so until- best, best shape of <laughs> best shape of my life season. I tweeted that the other day. That's I love it. Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, I, I wouldn't be, I'd be shocked if Juan Thornhill got cut but I would not be shocked if he lost a lot of playing time. My guy, as far as surprise roster cut, might not be a massive surprise, but it's because I think it's truly going to happen. That's DeAndre Baker. That might not be shocking, but I truly think it's going to happen. He was basically cornerback three. He got a ton, a ton of playing time last year, more so than I think we all thought, especially in big moments. He didn't do very well. No, they. They've overhauled this secondary. I just don't see him coming back, even though he just signed his exclusive rights-free agent, his ERFA contract tender. Um, I just don't see him back on this team. I just, I just, I just don't. Here's one for you. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a surprise. Maybe it wouldn't be. Chad Henney. Don't be surprised if Chad Henney gets cut. Like, yeah. it's not like it's not like they couldn't pick him back up. You know, I love Chad. The dude's like 55 years old. Teams aren't going to be crawling all over themselves to, to, to scoop up Chad Henney when he, when he, you know, hits the open market. And I really think the Chiefs need a younger quarterback in the backup spot. I don't like these, these like, and the Chiefs apparently do, Andy must, these like ancient quarterbacks. <laughs> Like, it's great. You know, Chad Henney, Matt Moore, they can come in, they can win you a game. But the team that I admire with what they've done with their backup quarterbacks is Baltimore. Like, when they had RG3, and like, I feel like they've always got a guy back there who somewhat fits into their system. Chad Henney has none of the attributes that Patrick Mahomes has. He doesn't yeah. have a cannon. He doesn't have it's, – it's like the Andy Reid seems to, to favor, like, I want the oldest, safest option so that somebody can come out – and dump the ball off and we could try to play good defense and win. And I think you need you need some guys that somewhat resemble Mahomes' skill set so you can properly run your offense. Yeah. No, I actually 100% agree. I think the Ravens do do a fan, uh, fantastic job doing that. Also, I, I'm laughing right now. Mr. Shrump, I think, is talking about me basically saying I need more beers because my take wasn't hot enough. I'm sorry, okay? You're right. I do need more beers, but after a... <laughs> Long weekend in Northwest Arkansas on a Ryder Cup-style tournament. A lot of beers were drank. Then I have a bachelor party this weekend. 
a lot more beers will be drank. You got to hydrate, uh, man. You got You got to re. You got to. You, you're not gonna be able to make it through a bachelor party if you're not hydrated. No. Uh, and so I, I apologize for my more lukewarm takes, but at least you know what I believe it. Okay. I believe it. Uh, as far as a surprise roster make, uh, this one might be more surprising for people. I think it's going to be Corey Coleman. Uh, I think Corey Ooh. Coleman, the former first-round draft pick, makes the roster. I don't think Josh Gordon does. I think Josh Gordon is gone. That's my personal opinion. Uh, Corey Coleman has been flying, flying under the radar. I, I just have a feeling that he's a guy that's going to make this roster. How old is, is Corey Coleman? 27. He's 27. Gordon's older than that, right? Is he almost 31? He's 31. Yeah. So, yeah, man. I mean, like Corey Coleman was a guy that came out with, you know, great athleticism and just was a total, total bust. So this is a reclamation project. I, I could see that. I could see that being a surprise make in favor of Josh Gordon. Who's, who's, I mean, like, let's just be honest. Like Josh Gordon's best days are well behind him. Uh, and so what does he bring to the table? For this team, like Corey Coleman with the speed, maybe that's your maybe that's your guy who makes it as a special teamer and returner. And look, Josh Gordon's an athletic freak, but he's on the wrong side of thirty. So I, I think that's a good. I like that one. Yeah, surprise yeah, me. He just hasn't. Josh Gordon to me hasn't done it in so long. Everyone keeps looking back and hearkening oh, back to what twenty yeah. fifteen. Just to me, it's asinine to keep saying, "Well, what if? What if? What if?" You're kind of doing that a little bit with Corey Coleman, but you've done that less, I would say. And again, that touchdown last year, people like to point to that for Josh Gordon. It's like they could have done that to anyone. That to me was just trying to get people off his back. That was a a layup. Anyone of the receivers could have caught that ball and waltzed in. So yeah, I love his size, but they've got lots of size. I mean, they've got uh, they've got Jody Fortson, Kelsey. Like they've got plenty of size on the team. They don't need Josh Gordon to, to make the team just to be a red zone threat. They need somebody who can help Pat. Between the twenties, obviously they have that, and I I think Juju is going to have a monster year. Like I think that dude was playing with Ben Roethlisberger's corpse in an offense that got steadily more and more conservative when it came to the passing game, and then they got more receivers in there competing. I I, I think this is going to be a big revival. I think they're going to use him a lot out of the slot. I'm really excited to see how he he flourishes in this offense. Over under a thousand yards for Juju. Over. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I, like, I just think McColl's still there. MVS is there, but like, and I know everyone's kind of excited about the, the receiving core, but like, let's not act like these guys are all world beaters. Like that. We just like, yeah, we got rid of Tyreek, but we brought in, you know, four guys who are just really, really good. Like other than Josh Gordon with friggin' Brian Hoyer as his quarterback, like a <laughs> decade ago. Right. Who, who of these guys have had like amazing seasons MVS with Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams was a really solid guy, good deep threat. Would occasionally have these big, you know, big monster games, and then would disappear for three weeks at a time. All right, that's that's MVS. Juju had a top tier season of all the guys of all the receivers. McCole Harbin has been a nice third, fourth receiver. Third, I'd say third receiver based on the numbers he's put up. He's been very good. He's very athletic. He's a guy you want to get the ball in his hands. Juju Smith-Schuster is the only one on the team, with the exception of Josh Gordon, who's had like a legit awesome NFL season. So if you can, and he's still really young, if you can pull that guy from just a couple of years ago out, now you've got yourself a receiving court. But if, I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling you, man, if Juju doesn't work out, this offense is going to struggle. Mm. It's just going to struggle. I don't care how great Pat is. These guys are not world beaters. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. 
Who's your surprise make? I went with Corey Coleman. Who do you got? Ah, <clears throat> uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if I've got a surprise make. I think maybe I'll stick with you and with Corey Coleman because I'm not mm-hmm. high. I'm not high on Josh Gordon. I just I, I just think he's kind of a waste of time. We I feel like that guy has gotten talked about more on this show um, than than he 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 deserves. I mean, I'm happy like he's made it back into the league. He's gone through a lot of struggles and all that but like my god that have we ever talked about any player more who's done less than josh gordon and it's like always like i don't know if it's the fantasy thing but like even the people in the chat too like they're like hey man what what do you guys think about josh gordon i think he's gonna break out this week and i'm like he's not gonna break out (laughs) (laughs) he's the alberto modesty to an extent in baseball for the Royals. That's what he basically is. I know he's had a better career, obviously, than, than Mondesi, but a lot of time missed, right? And that's a guy that I feel like could be 37 years old and people are still talking about, but what about the potential? Yeah, if we had just signed Bobby Scipio, if Bobby <laughs> Scipio would have made it out of camp, I mean, it's just, it's just what's, what's, what's going to happen is, is Gordon's going to make the team and he's going to come out in week one and he's going to go for like, you know, eight catches for 127 yards and two touchdowns. And then everyone's going to lose their fucking mind. <laughs> and then he's going to go and he's not going to have another catch for like eight weeks. There's always somebody who does that in the NFL every year that kind of comes out of the gate and you're like, oh shit, I got to get him on my fantasy team. And then vanishes. Watch it'll be Josh Gordon. Then we'll be forced to talk about him for eight more weeks. Uh, good question in the chat right here from AC. Uh, what's what we need today? It's hot as shit outside. Uh, think they'll run the ball or run more play action instead of RPO this season. Patrick, what do you think? I think they're going to run more play action. And I think this, if, if teams continue, and this is a fad in the NFL, there was a really great article over at, I believe it was the ringer about the, the way that the NFL has been like, it's, it's the whole, like uh, um, not Josh McDaniels um, Rams head coach, uh, Sean McVay. McVay. Yeah. Like everybody's doing this too high safety thing. That's what teams were using against, the chiefs and they were doing it against Buffalo and in in the article breaks down how different teams attacked this coverage. And one of the ways that the bills did it was they started going into a lot of heavy sets with like extra tight ends and fullbacks, which would force teams to play their base package and create more favorable matchups when they were able to, you know, run uh, play action and things out of that set. The chiefs uh, went to more play action than they ever have. And Pat took more snaps through from uh, more snaps under center than he ever had as, as a chief. And I think that we're going to see more of that this year. They're going to, it's hard to add some of that stuff mid season when it's not in the playbook. And so they, they have a few plays and maybe they run some more of it. I'm guessing that Andy's going to have a whole new package built in this year that they're going to work on a lot more play action. And if you notice the chiefs, they got the, the, one of the interesting things about the receivers that they got where they got guys that are known for their blocking ability. So that tells me more play action, more running the football, uh, less of a vertical passing game to, to, to make teams pay for pay, for playing this coverage. So more underneath stuff. I think Kelsey's going to have a huge year. I think Juju's going to have a huge year. And I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire, if he stays healthy, is going to have his best season as a pro. Before we get out of here, you tried a new cereal. I don't think anyone yes. has ever heard of this. It looks like a off-brand gimmick. It, uh, it, it but it's not. It's so this shit, this is Quisp. I saw this in the store like months ago. And I was like, what in the I've never seen this. It's the plainest box you've ever seen. It's got this guy who's like an like a pink Pepto Bismol alien with a <laughs> color on his head. 
There's a conic on the back though. Um, so I had never heard of this and I bought it, uh, yesterday and I started doing some research. Um, I came home the, the way I do my cereal reviews is very scientific. You start out with, of course, the dry hand test, right? You don't just go straight to the milk. You open it up, you stick your hand in there and you taste it. And the first thing I thought before I did any of my research on the cereal was, yeah, David says, I remember Quisp from the seventies. Yeah. So I did the dry, the dry test and it was, I was like, holy shit, this is Captain Crunch. Like this is dead on. It tastes exactly like Captain Crunch. It's just the the they're like in the shape of bowls instead of like the Captain Crunch, like whatever you want to call that. So like they're these little you can see there. Let's get real hmm. scientific. It's like a little bowl. It's a little crisp. It's very sweet. And so I'm like, okay, it tastes like Captain Crunch. This is positive. I had a bowl this morning. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. In my research, I found this stuff. Used to exist. It got discontinued for a while. So it used to be Quisp, and there was a, a rival cereal called Quake, and they were the same shit in different shape, <laughs> right? So they eventually discontinued Quake, and then Quisp for a while went away, and it got repackaged as a Popeye cereal. And if you look at the if you look up the Popeye cereal, it's the same. It's, it's it's they literally just changed the box. It was Popeye cereal. Then it went away. Then it came back. You know, we do this on a scale, right? So it's the CT crunch scale from zero to five. I'm like, I cannot believe that this was the outcome. I am giving Quisp four CT crunches. Like it's like, it's, it's Captain Crunch. I love Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch is a four, is, is a four CT crunch cereal. Quisp tastes exactly the same. It's just a different shape. So when you're going to the store, if you see this stuff, it basically comes down to, do you like this shape better than, than Captain Crunch? Or do you like, you know, the Captain Crunch logo better than whatever the hell this thing is? Um, it's a great cereal. It's really good. I'm, I'm does surprised. it also destroy the roof of your mouth? Because Captain Crunch just absolutely rips my, my mouth up. This is, this is the, the, the thing. It doesn't. It doesn't cut your mouth at all because of the shape of it. Ergonomical. So like, yeah, Todd says flying saucers. I get it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Flying saucers. But they're they're like bowls. Like they're all, you know, they're there's a little indentation there. Um, yeah, it's an alien. It's uh I don't know if it has a name on here. I didn't study the back. This is good cereal. There's a shit ton of sugar in it. It's 170 <laughs> calories a serving. And I've never seen this on a cereal thing. The serving size is one to one and a quarter cups. I'm like, I don't get it. It's good. I, I actually recommend it. People people make fun of it because of the box. They, when I tweeted it yesterday, they were like, oh, it looks like off-brand shit. It's actually really good. It's basically Captain, it's, it's Captain Crunch. So, yeah, four CT crunches from me. Uh, two comments I want to get to before we head out of here. Cheeto Freak says the dry hand test implies the existence of a wet hand test. <laughs> no, it does not. No, it does not. It's the dry hand test and the bowl. And I'm a little bit, I'm getting a little bit uncomfortable with the territory this is heading into. Um, so Follow-up question. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Want to give a shout out to Evan Warner. He is celebrating his seven month uh, as far as being a member. So Evan, great Evan, job. You guys are the, like, you guys who have been Airhead Act members for like six months longer at all. Like, you guys are awesome. The fact that you're hanging with us, it's friggin' June. I'm sitting here talking about a cereal from the 1970s <laughs> to fill time for the cheese podcast. You guys are the absolute uh, shit. You're incredible. Thank you. Uh, he also called me out. 
He goes, We uh-huh. you better see Sterling at the next AA Discord happy hour. No excuses this time. Okay, I apologize. One, it was my birthday. I was out for dinner with my parents. I couldn't call for, I forget where we ate at. I couldn't call from the, I don't know, wherever it was. Okay, so I apologize. I will try and be here at the next one and lots of beers will be drank. I think we might do, I think we're doing trivia next time. Oh, hell yeah. That's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like Aerosmith before we go out? You big Aerosmith guy. Dude. So I went to an Aerosmith concert back when I was in like a senior in high school. So this would have been like 2000 and they were, uh, they were doing a thing on their tour where they would put a little stage out on the lawn and they would come out and do like four songs out there. So we knew about this. And when we got there with our, our cheap lawn seats, <clears throat> rather like we missed a lot of the concert cause we went and we stood right up against the, the, the barricade in front of the stage. So we would have, front row seats for the four songs as they came out. So they come out and they're doing like, they're doing their thing They come out. They, they start off with, with eat the rich, oh, which yeah. is amazing. And I'm talking, I'm two feet away from Steven Tyler. So then they start singing dream on my favorite Aerosmith song. Steven Tyler is like, you know, the crowd, we're all like going like this. We're reaching out. Steven Tyler reaches out while he's singing dream on grabs my hand. And we had a bro moment for like 30 seconds. He just like held on. So I held hands with Steven Tyler live at a concert. Pretty rad. Dude, that is awesome. I, Steven Tyler, by the way, is a great human being, at least from all accounts that I've seen. Um, I was 12, had a chance to meet him, and they were not allowed to sign anything, right? Because people like to sell stuff online. But I was 12 years old. I brought a drumstick, and the security guard goes, hey, man, you can't bring that. And Steven Tyler just looks at the security guard and goes, the dude is 12. He's not going to be selling this, so he signed it, and I still have that. So That's um, rad. You and I both have a bromance, it looks like, for yep. Steven Tyler. Uh, favorite yep. album, Toys in the Attic. I got to keep pushing is because people like to lie and say other ones it's toys in the attic don't lie to yourself yeah i agree i agree with that okay that's a solid take we should talk more music on here me and me and matt connor do this all the time i like this yeah 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 yeah. we'll do it we'll do it favorite concert you've been to what's that favorite concert you've been to uh all the green day concerts i've been to those those guys they they put on such a, a goddamn good show. Like they'll like start a band on stage. They're really funny. Uh, they go hard. Real pros. Like they they put on a fantastic show. Mm, fun guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to all the off season nonsense. Thanks for sticking with us. Thank you to all the members who've been here for so long. Thanks to everyone who comments, who likes this, who reaches out to us, who tweets us with KC Beerco. We appreciate you guys so so much. This was the Eric uh, Airhead Attic Podcast. Thank you to Patrick Allen for joining in today. Uh, Matt Connor, hopefully he's having a blast in New York. Maybe we'll run into uh, to Matt Verderham up there. Who knows? Uh, but we are out. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Deuces. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.